Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. We're converting people one stomach at a time to what fresh food can taste like. You use whatever you can use and respect every bit of it. You know, if it's in season, you use it. We need to study and we need to read and we need to know about our region and what it's doing before we can start putting things on dishes. Hello and welcome to the Quicksand Food Connection. Today I speak with James Viles. He's the head chef and owner of Biota Dining in Bowery. Biota is a two-hatted fine dining restaurant that's won many awards over the years. They've got a deep connection to the landscape, the habitat and the environment of the Southern Highlands. And you see many of the products that are available from the natural environment featured on their menus. They grow a lot of things in their kitchen garden. They've got a polytunnel, they do beekeeping, and they're also engaged with the community where they run workshops as well as markets and open days to educate people about what's available in the food world in the Southern Highlands. James also launched his own book called Biota. And he was generous enough to give us two recipes from that book for the Southern Highlands cookbook. He's a great guy and I had a great conversation with him. And I hope you also enjoy my conversation with James Viles from Biota Dining in Barrel. In our books, we always try to give a sense of place to the region that we cover. And each region has its own environment, its own aesthetic, its own dynamic and its own culture of chefs and producers Mm. who make that place what it is and um, you know Biota is a place that definitely has a strong sense of place where it is here in Bowerville in the Southern Highlands and that's reflected through the property that you're on the building the menu and the dishes you know first and foremost do you want to talk a bit about how it all links together yeah I mean a big thing for us is is um, habitat inspired cooking you know we we sort of gather a lot of inspiration from our habitat and what's around us um, and that transforms onto a plate if we use a plate <laughs> but um, but yeah it's it's really important for us to to use that as as our stepping stone it's almost like joining imagine joining the dots on a piece of paper you know if without that we can't we can't actually do what we do so this morning we've already been we've already been down to Wallandilly which is 45 minutes away on the river, mm-hmm. gathering bits and pieces from the side of the river and getting yeah. inspiration for new trout dish. So, um, yeah, it, it's a big, big part of what we do. And I guess restraint is another thing for us. I mean, we don't garnish things. We don't believe in the word garnish. Yeah. Because it's, uh, it's, it's, there's no point to it. You, everything mm-hmm. on a plate should be there for a reason and be able to, you should sure. be able to eat it, all of it. So, you know, restraint is one of the hardest things and... and 
I think that comes with uh, I think that comes with a certain level of confidence mm. when, when you are plating is oh hang on a minute do I really need that on there does that need to be on there and what does it do for the dish mm. you know yeah. and that 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 comes over time I think you know that certainly in the last year or so restraint has been a big focus of ours yeah um, in our cooking and how we how we plate things for sure yeah. and is it difficult sometimes I guess when you might be in the development stages of a dish and you're looking at it and you think that it needs something else possibly aesthetically yeah and 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 then it might challenge you to rather than just chuck on a piece of red elk like a lot of other people yeah. might yeah um, find something that'll work is yeah. that a big challenge it is a, it is and that's the thing where you sort of got to say to yourself why does it need it you yeah. know you've got to ask yourself a lot of questions and 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 like we're just plating a crab dish then which has got blanched nasturtiums over it um, and crabs dressed in onions and seawater but um, you know I'd, that dish I don't think needs anything else and we're all looking at it going it's a bit bare <laughs> but what, what we're really trying to focus on is that crab dressed mm -hmm. in seawater what type of crab? spanner yeah yeah or blue swimmer just depends which what you can get yeah but uh and that's the thing like restraint is so hard mm -hmm. like it's so easy to just throw lots of garnish on there and hide behind a garnish yeah but when you're really trying to cook to habitat you know does that does that would that crab have red elk around it's where it lives or yeah. where it is not really it might have a little bit of seaweed so you could put some seaweed and make that in as part of the dressing and be an understated element of the yeah. dish but that would be about it, you yeah. know, that you, you probably wouldn't add anything else because there's nothing else that you need to add. Mm -hmm. And I guess with that level of restraint, people, um, you know, whether it be your patrons, food critics, or anyone else who comes to mm. dine here, expect, I guess, a level of modern cuisine, uh, technique and innovation. Yeah. Is it hard to try to come up, when it comes to things like technique, is it hard to come up with those things that will satisfy the expectations of people that come here yep. and also show that restraint and keep it within that environment? Yeah, that's a hard balance. It is, that's a really hard balance. And like we use liquid nitrogen for some things, but we only use it to maintain integrity. Mm -hmm. And the customer doesn't even know that we use it. Yeah. You know? Um, so I think that that's, I think that yeah, that's a good question because, um, it does. You need. You want to show technique, but not wasted technique. It mm -hmm. needs to be technique that is integral to the ingredient. Yeah. So. And especially when, you know, when you've got a concept where everything has to be related to the environment, mm. um, it can be a bit more challenging. I think people are more easily sort of succumb to a. A, sim a simpler style of dish, for example, if, it, if you go to a steakhouse that's a really well, well done uh, steakhouse, they might serve simple steak with bone marrow or something like yeah, that and, yep. and they can leave it at that. Yeah. Whereas if you're trying to put together this whole concept on a plate like that, yeah. it, it, it is much more challenging. That's it. Like we've got a, we've got a dish, a new one now, which is damn, damn good Blackmore beef and which is out of Victoria. And it's the only beef I use, pretty much. It's a black, it's a full blood wagyu, um, and it's a tri-tip. And we buy all their tri-tip, and uh, basically all it is is there's a lot of ingredients that go into it. But on a plate, there's two things. Mm. Yeah. There's the piece of beef that's glazed in squid, that's been cooked out for five days, and 
there's a leak that's been cooked for 15 hours very slowly mm-hmm. in oil yeah. and then blackened in a pan yeah. and that's it on the oh and elderflower from the elderflower trees that's been pickled sure that's and great. that's it yeah but there's you know to look at it you can look at it, it's very simple and very clean and very very um un, un uh, you know it's it is what it is it's yeah a black piece of meat mm-hmm. with a leak yeah but the the flavor profile is is, is is intense it's a very rich dish there's there's probably about 26 ingredients in it mm-hmm. and so I guess in the development of a dish like that, you know, cooking a leek for 15 hours yeah. and, and squid for five days, was it? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I guess With a lot of time oil. goes into R&D, essentially, when it comes to technique and Yeah, I mean, the umami in, in squid is, is insane. Mm-hmm. And to harness that and then paint a piece of beef with that umami yeah. is... Uh, it's pretty tasty. So, where, like, how do you develop a technique like that? Is it something that you read? Like, where do you get inspiration on those sorts I think, of techniques? I think... Um, I love the old surf and turf yeah. thing. <laughs> me too, yeah. yeah, I love it. Me too. And I think for me, I wanted a dish that sort of was sea and land together. Yeah. But I didn't want a piece of beef with a prawn on it. Um, so this is just as good, you know. Like yeah. for me, this and this is harnessing that that real um, sort of fermented feel as well. Mm-hmm. So um, and it's got a real umami sort of gelatinous feel to it as well. So. And the beef is the beef is really fatty and it's very rich. So, and for me, that's what I like with my beef. I like it to be fatty and rich and yeah, like coat the palate, you know. For sure. Um, you were talking before about, I guess, uh, you know, picking things from the side of the river and uh, foraging and using natural ingredients for from the Southern Islands as mm. a big part of what you do. How can do you tell us just a bit about the journey of sort of. How do you find these new ingredients? Like, do you come across new stuff? Do you are you constantly tasting? How do you know if something's good to eat, and how do you like then yeah. make it a part of I your menu? Tasting and I think preserving. Yep. Mother Nature is a big thing for us. Like those elder leaves are beautiful the way they are, but you can't eat them the way they are. Mm-hmm. So we need to find a way to to be able to use them and eat them. They're fragrant and they're bitter and they're they're quite a nice part of a, it could be quite a nice part of a dish but but we need to find a way we can use them when they're in abundance and 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 save them too for sure so we we pickle them yeah and leave them in in big vats for a long time mm-hmm. and they just get better and better yeah you know so yeah i think um for us it's about sort of tasting things in their raw environment and then working out a way to either preserve them or use them straight away mm-hmm. um and adapt them to to our dishes yeah, well, weekly yeah yeah and is that sort of how how often does your menu change or weekly yeah weekly yeah changing things depending on what's around yeah yeah fantastic yeah, yeah. and i guess uh when it comes to the southern highlands you've got a position and a climate you've got four distinct seasons you've got hot hot summers cold yep. winters you've got frosts you've hot got rain snow yeah. snow hail yeah um all of that sort of thing so I guess you've got quite a diversity to choose from, you know, through the seasons. It's a very diverse region. I mean, blackberries are, f- are flowering on the on the um, plateau that drops down to go to Wallandilly and across mm-hmm. to, which is where I was this morning, across to the Blue Mountains, and you're 780 metres above sea level there. And on the one that goes across down into Wollongong to Shell Harbour, yeah. you're um, 
you're you're 650 meters above sea level and they've already got fruit yeah and we're Amazing. talking about a 27 kilometer distance that's it you know like and, and without us that's just a one little example but without us knowing about the variances in our in our region we can't cook with a with a very pure and honest for sure approach yeah. um so we need to do all that we need to study and we need to read and we need to know about our region and what it's doing mm -hmm. each time of the year because it changes um before we can start putting things on dishes i guess having that um grassroots knowledge of it as well means that you have availability at different times when yeah. a lot of other places might say okay you know quinces are in now yep. you know this is when they're in every year yeah you know like you say with the blackberries yep. that once you've got that grassroots connection to the landscape mm. you can then use that to your advantage oh for sure and um that's the benefit of being regional too yeah. like all these guys we can we can cook like that yeah you know if you're in sydney you're, you're almost the amount of communication you need in the city to be able to get a box of quinces first off the bat of the season young quince fragrant still a little bit green which is cool to cook with you know it's hard because you need to make 30 phone calls to find out who's got them mm -hmm. all we need to do is call ask the sous chef is his mum's tree got quinces on it yet you know that's great and that's like all the guys you yeah. know being regional is it has its advantages and it has its disadvantages mm, for sure but its advantages are positive yeah 100 percent yeah um i think a lot of something that something that comes up i guess in you know fine dining these days is you know a look back to the natural like you do a look back to the environment and starting from the land and yeah. starting from the landscape and you know that's happening around the world and i i mean this isn't even a question i i just find it interesting that it seemed to it seems to be a, a shift where people looked at modern Australian cuisine and say, "Oh, we're a young country, and we're such a multicultural country that modern Australian fine dining can mm. take influences from everywhere, and that's an advantage yeah. for us." Yeah. And with sort of this shift into going back to the land and starting, I think now it's now Australian cuisine is really starting to come into its own where mm. rather than having modern Australian which means you can basically do whatever you want yeah you we have we're having an Australian cuisine with yourself and you know Attica and places like that that yeah. embrace the landscape yeah um it's a that is a that that point that you've this whole subject you've brought up is the is what Biota was built for yeah. um and not only that it's you know, I lived overseas for a bloody long time and I cooked in countries that have their own identity when it comes to food. And I started thinking, you know what, we don't really have our own identity. And you can go to parts of Sardinia or parts of Germany or parts of Europe, anywhere. And even in the one country, different towns and different regions specialize in different things. Mm. And the food is regional. Yeah. And they have an identity. We have an identity crisis over yeah. here. And it, we need to start focusing on things that, that are ours that make Australia what, what it is. And food has to tell that story. And the cooks that cook the food have to tell that story. So you, what you're saying is completely right. Like we are you know, being classified as modern Australian for, for way too long. And it's now time for us to really, for, for us cooks not to be too lazy and to get out there and look at what's around us mm -hmm. and start to learn. And when I grew up cooking, I was cooking French cuisine. 
yeah. and Italian cuisine in my own country. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's like a lot of young cooks. And now the young cooks in my kitchens are cooking Australian cuisine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess a part of that as well, which is a part of the evolution of it, is educating patrons mm-hmm. and with people like yourself you know it th- that sort of thing starts at fine dining i believe and it will eventually filter down yeah but you know patrons who may only once a year come to a place like biota or something like that yeah. on a very special yeah. occasion may not be so educated in what we're talking about and you know you know through the week may may go all right let's, let's go get italian or french or chinese yep. or something like that mm-hmm. but as you, you you guys start sort of bringing that into the forefront into the into the public then i, I believe over time people will be educated about it and start it will to take... trickle down to more casual dining and, yep. people, and then we'll really develop our identity as you know a food nation it's starting now yeah and it, and it and it's really special like you know how many people would eat kangaroo mm-hmm. 10 years ago yeah exactly. you know I took kangaroo to Hong Kong a couple of months ago to to cook kangaroo for the Prime Minister of Hong Kong, and but you know how many would that happen ten years ago? Yeah, you know it's out. You know people wouldn't do it. They just wouldn't eat much kangaroo. They think mm. it was for dogs. Yeah, it's I actually lived in Switzerland for a little while, and the I did a snow season over there. Yeah, the Upray Ski Bar was called Brew Bar because the owner of it married an Australian lady and yep. they serve kangaroo burgers in, in, in the middle of Switzerland in the middle of winter. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> it was weird. I sort of got there and I was like, what's the deal with this Australian-themed bar? That's that awesome. To? Anyway. Well, I've got a so, big weekend this weekend and we've got, for one of the groups we're doing, we've got wallaby pie on. So, yeah. Which is pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds great. Yeah. Um, I guess the other thing that runs hand in hand with what we were talking about in a way, the restraint of plating and use of ingredients in this sort of new real Australian cuisine that we're talking about has kind of shifted with you know the look back to the natural in that modern Australian for a long time people as you say use try to rather than everything being on a plate for a reason it's it's a, a display of technique and showmanship in a, in a sense yeah, where yeah. there's so much there you might have 12 components on a dish each with a different texture and technique yeah. and i think with with a shift towards cooking from the landscape and showing restraint like you say um those sorts of techniques and that sort of showmanship becomes unnecessary mm. and isn't telling that same story so it's yeah. interesting and as as you obviously say it's it, it sort of comes back to the natural it comes back to the environment yeah and rather than having sort of molecular gastronomy that uses random tropical ingredients from around the world that no one's heard of yeah, everything has its form. place yeah 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 which is great yeah and i think that's a really positive move and a big well that's cool i don't i don't know for me and i think it's maturity as well i think that, you know the the, the the older i get at what I'm doing, I just want to be able to. I just want to sit down and eat a dish that has meaning, yeah. and that's been cooked with heart. And that's me. Is if I'm sitting down to a, at this type of restaurant, I love a good schnitty too. Mm. But I just want to be able to sit down and eat a dish that's been cooked with heart, that ha- that has purity, that um, that has meaning, and that displays skill, yeah. and that's bloody tasty. You know, and if it's only got three ingredients, then great yeah and if it's got 33 then fine as long as it has that in mind yeah yeah that's great 
do you I mean obviously you take most of your inspiration from the landscape around mm-hmm. you when it comes to developing a dish do you at all look outside like do you read cookbooks from other people think about new techniques and that sort of stuff to look for inspiration and um, new ways of doing things I don't read I haven't read a book I've got a lot of books but I haven't <laughs> read one for a good year and a bit yeah um yeah, I've been writing one. You've been writing one, yeah. exactly. You've been reading couple that of years. one a bit as well. Which I don't want to read ever again. But, uh, <laughs> but um, I guess I guess the biggest thing for me is now just cooking to the season. Like I see a gum tree up there, and which is a eucalypt that I didn't even notice was there. I didn't even know that was there, actually, that little young gum, mm-hmm. eucalypt. And on the weekend, I've got an acacia custard that I want to do an apple, wild apple and eucalypt snow. So I was going to go to Bradman Oval where there's nice eucalypts and take some. Yeah. But there's one just there. So <laughs> I guess for me it's about I always just look around at stuff, you know. Yeah. And it's a bit of a it's a bit of a, a drug. Yeah. You know, it's it's a habit now. For sure. But uh, I guess I just look at things for inspiration and and people like, you know, mm. you talk to people and see what people are doing. I think also, and it'd be stupid not to say it, but social media is is a big part of. It's really nice, you know, we can instantly see what our peers in other countries are doing mm-hmm. um, and see what's happening and see how things are working and how things are getting plated and what plates they're using and what's, you know, happening. And it's moving so fast now, mm-hmm. whereas before it might take six to eight months or ten months for Australia to catch on to something yeah. or vice versa for another cat country to catch on to us. Yeah, it's interesting. But it, but it, it, it can happen within six hours. Mm. Yeah. You know, I saw my kangaroo jerky at another restaurant in another country yeah. <laughs> on a menu, wow. so from an Aussie. So, you know, and that's fine. Yeah. I don't mind. It's good. It's good. Yep. But um, I guess as well when you're saying like, you know, you look around in the environment and that's where inspiration comes from, uh, that's what, you know, that's what generates real authenticity yeah. in, in what you do rather than you know, reading books and, 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 and trawling the internet for um, ideas. possible ideas and inspiration. At yeah. the end of the day, those things may come together in something awesome, but, you know... They won't have meaning. You, exactly. You've plucked and cherry-picked different things from people who've already had those ideas. Yeah, and you can tell when they do have meaning. Yeah. You really can. Like, yeah. yeah, that's great. And, I mean... Can I talk about the book quickly? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the book's fantastic and I've had this for a while now. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I, I kind of know the processes of going through publishing oh, a book yeah. and it's, a, it's, a, it's yeah. a long process. The photography is absolutely beautiful and there's a lot of work going into this. Um, a couple of years, yeah. Yeah, a couple of years. Like, did you, was, there, was there a sort of a light bulb moment where you're like, all right, well, you know, I've accomplished... A certain amount here at Biota, and now I want to be able to bring that to the public in a different way. I just wanted to, I basically wanted to catalogue where we're up to. Yeah. And it's by no means where we're going to go. But I just wanted to have, you know, the first book to be done within a couple of years, like four, five years now. So that was four years when we decided we'd start, um, or three and a half. So I wanted to catalogue the first three and a half years, mm-hmm. and now I've, we'll start. We've already started on the second one now, yeah. so um, that'll probably come out in another three bit years. So mm-hmm. you know, every three years or so, we catalogue it, and I, it's good for me because I can see progression. If I don't start seeing, pro- if I don't see progression, then we're not, I'm not doing the right things. You yeah. know, I need 
that more so not print as a printed version but as a mental version to know that we're progressing in what we do yep. and things are getting tighter and tighter and restraint is more and more eventually I'd like a book that doesn't even have a cover you yeah. know that's the kind <laughs> of restraint we're working towards yeah. so and I guess uh, that sort of thing is important in any industry and people that are at the top of their game whether it be you know I was talking to Phil from Moonacres Farm oh, yeah. yesterday yeah and he's a nice guy yeah and yeah. And he was talking about, you know, the ways that they catalogue and record yep. when things come in yeah. and, you know, their rainfall and yep. all that sort of stuff goes He's into probably the, the more serious grower down here, actually, mm. for that kind of stuff, organics and... Yeah, it's yep. pretty fantastic, actually, yeah, out, out there. there. Yeah, and it's he's beautiful. extremely passionate about what he does, so it's great to chat to him. But, yeah, yeah I mean, th- that, sort of, that sort of, you know, record keeping, whether it be in the form of a cookbook or just on a yeah. blank spreadsheet... Um, is, is is definitely necessary if you want to if you want to continue to progress because you don't want to look back through your book once you've printed a second one and huh. go they look a bit similar or, or, yeah, or whatever exactly you know what I mean? exactly like, and like the good thing is this is all on I've got that that whole thing's on you know soft copy and it's almost like having a kitchen recipe book just in Excel format mm-hmm. for the kitchen so if I do three or four books that's a good couple of hundred you know that's well there's a hundred and something in there so that's you know, over five hundred odd recipes, six hundred recipes. Yeah, as a database. Exactly for biota. Yeah, and the, I guess the other benefit is that you get those rec- you get those recipes refined because you're you have to restricted <laughs> restricted by you know it's edited the, the, by the somebody. Style guide and <laughs> yeah, you are you have to have it probably done. Oh, the measurements are right. right. Exactly, the measurements <laughs> are correct. You can't actually Wing just it. throw in something. Yeah, yeah. I actually watched a really interesting uh, little documentary about a guy who tried to cook every recipe from the Alinea cookbook. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and he completely achieved it, actually. Like, And he actually workshopped and machined all his service pieces and stuff to oh. make them exactly the same. It was pretty insane. That's but awesome. There was one recipe in there which apparently there was a typo and there was 10 grams less gelatin that they should have been and this uh, guy was pulling his hair out for 10 years like for 10 months or something like trying that to trying to get it, it right yeah. yeah and then he called up the the restaurant and they're like oh just add more gelatin it's like you bastard anyway yeah. <laughs> yeah very interesting um but the two dishes that have come from this book that you're going to contribute to ours mm-hmm. the first one one of the one of the producers that will feature in the Southern Highlands cookbook is Norm from Highland. Oh yeah, the potato. Yeah, yeah. So yep. you know you can give us your potato dish. Do you want to just tell yeah. us a bit about that dish? Yeah, I mean that dish was a selection of different potatoes that he has in season at the time, which changes all the time. And um, it also has um, some fat hen buds and that kind of thing, which is all wild on his property. Mm-hmm. And it's also got onion juices, because I love onions and potatoes, like burnt onions and, and potatoes yeah. are pretty special. You know, they're like the roast flavour. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of that kind of flavour of a dish. And, um, you know, the potatoes, some are fried, some are slow-cooked, some are confit, uh, just depending on which potato which is which. But... Uh, yeah, I, I, that that dish is all about Norm's potatoes, you know, mm-hmm. and and onion juices. Yeah, yeah, and it's great. a bit sweet too. The onion juices are a bit sweet, which is nice with potatoes. So. Yeah, and I, I guess that, you know, it speaks to what you you do and a lot of other chefs do is you you, you start from a product. You, you get a you get a the best quality product you can, and you build a dish around that rather yeah. than thinking. Yeah. I want to make a dish out of potatoes. Where am I going to get those potatoes? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, that's true. Yeah. And the other dish is your mum's roses oh, dish. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, so many of those. <laughs> um, Been putting them out for how long now? Uh, four years. Is it still on the menu? It came off yesterday. Oh, really? Yeah, honey, a new honey one went on today. Okay. Um, yeah, so that dish is inspired by mum, basically, but uh, she, you know, she's a horticulturist, but she also grows all, a lot of roses at home. And I used to pinch her roses for, to make this dish, and we... Um, we asked her to start planting some because she didn't like me pillaging all her, her roses all the time. So she's planted roses out the side and in the back garden. Um, and we use wild roses too from around the area, um, which are in abundance. Um, but I think the, the biggest thing with that dish is the, you know, that's that maintaining integrity because the meringue we do with nitrogen, um, yeah. fresh, so that the aroma of the rose doesn't disperse or, or go anywhere. And it's a very refreshing and very summery dish with the stone fruit and all that kind of thing. So, yeah, that, that's been popular, Alan. Mm, for sure. Yeah. Um, over the years, what, when did you open? Uh, 2010. 2010. Um, you know, it, obviously it's an evolution. And as, as I think I saw you say at one point, you know, you opened and no one knew about it. No one, no one, no one yeah. came and then slowly people start to come and then slowly yeah. it evolves in, into what it is. Yeah. Um, and you evolve with it. You know, you yeah. Go with it, you know. It's yeah. And so I guess you're constantly having ideas. Like, did you, what the grounds, you know, look outside, there's a polytunnel there and mm. you've got herbs and all that sort of thing. Is that sort of evolution over the years as well? Yeah, slowly. Yeah. Um, I just do a little bit at a time as I need it. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got, 20 something chooks out the back that we use their eggs for from um, for different for various applications in the kitchen um, uh, the rooms you know they weren't there we, we fitted those out and did that so the whole thing's coming together like its own little world and mm-hmm. slowly slowly yeah and yeah. I guess having the having the accommodation here is fantastic too because people now I guess with the publication of a book two hats and um, you know being I guess when people think about dining in the Southern Highlands, Biota is one of the first places they would think about. Um, having that accommodation means that it's a real destination dining place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, we get bookings from now, and only in the last year or so, but there's bookings, a lot of bookings out of Europe, like wow. um, Scandinavia and London and, and that kind of thing, and a few, quite a few out of sort of, um, I don't know, for some reason, Boston and Chicago these areas we're getting a lot um i don't know why we haven't clocked that yet but i think london is definitely the book yeah um because they they mention it and say we're we're coming over for a holiday we're gonna we want to book in so um that's been pretty strong over there mm. which is good you must uh it must be a good feeling to know that the the sort of words getting out internationally yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it's it is a yeah. yeah I <laughs> it know, helps. Like when I sell when I sell one of our books, and someone says I'm going to take this to my friends in London or to yeah, know, whatever. Oh, I think gold. one of the one of the Canberra books, someone said that um, Bob Hawke gave it to the Prime Minister of Burma or something like that as a as a as a, you awesome. know, as a pre- And I was like, wow, it's, it's a great feeling to know that yeah. that your work is you know appreciated appreciated internationally. Yeah, it's really good. So. And what would you like? What would you say the the breakup is then of your patrons from locals to international or, or, or people from outside the region? Yeah, so um, locals is probably about ten percent. Yeah, and then ninety percent would be the rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I guess the cool thing about the Southern Highlands is that it, 
you know, despite the fact that it's very regional and you drive past all these beautiful farms and stuff, it's so accessible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's one hour out of Sydney. Mm. You know, it's, yeah, it's really easy. Yeah, you've got Canberra as well, and there's the coast there. Yeah, and, yep. And then... Coast is a great market for us. Yeah, so it's really not far. You just drive over the hill and you're here. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. And I guess it's cool for you too to be able to access that for ingredients and all that sort yeah. of stuff as well. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. I was going to ask you about, with the publication of a book and achieving two hats and being here for the time that you have and gaining a bit of public profile, yeah. how, how has that sort of transition been into media obligations and you know, things like this, interviews, and people wanting to talk to you as the face of Biota, um, you know, have you had to step away from the past? And A little bit, and it's really hard, to be mm. honest, because, you know, that's when the team need ultra-fine tuning and training, and it rips you out of a lot of different things, and you sort of feel torn between creativity mm-hmm. and business, Yeah, and that's a nasty place to be, to mm. be honest. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it, it's hard, but I think with the right people in place and the right support, it, it'll, it's doable. Mm-hmm. But this is last year and this year, the first year I've had to do all that. So. Yeah, yeah I, guess, I guess when it comes to that, you know, when you get to that level, then that's something that comes, people want to talk to you, people want to know more about it. Yeah, which is nice. I mean, it, it, it's nice to talk to people about it because it, it's my love, you exactly. know. It's what I love to do. Yeah. And, you know... If I didn't have to make money and pay people a wage and a salary, I probably would just do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, if there was no money tree, if if money wasn't in this world and we could just cook and be fed, I'd do it anyway. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, um, and at the same level. Yeah, for sure. So, Is you know, you you're at a point now where obviously you're saying you think about new books and you're constantly changing the menu weekly and things like that. Do, does another hat mean anything to you? Oh, not really. I mean, if it came, it'd be a nice thing for the team. But I kind of am really happy where we are. Yeah. And um, I'm very proud of where we are mm-hmm. with my guys and with all the people involved. You know, they're, they're local people that have helped me bring something together that's special. And so one hat or two hats or three hats, I'm, it doesn't bother me as long as... As long as we're all happy doing what we do. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the perfect philosophy to have as well. If it comes, yeah. it comes. And, and if you, um, you know, there might become a time when we lose one. Yeah. That's okay too. Because it doesn't mean we're not doing anything right or we're not, we're not good. It just means that, means that maybe there's a bit more focus that need, is needed somewhere. Or um, I, I believe in life that um, things aren't forever. Nothing's forever, yeah. And you know, for five five years at two hats, it's uh, it's it's good. And if if it's six years, then great. And if it's seven years, then even better. But if it's not, then it'll come again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I think you know, people can go a bit mad tra- chasing chasing another oh. one. You know, chasing chasing accolades. It gets yeah. If you can't, you can got to cook for the right right reasons. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's cool. Um, finally, I guess. You know, what we're doing with the book is trying to give a bit of an insight into food culture in the Southern Highlands, whether it be producers, chefs, farmers markets, mm. um, and, you know, putting that together with with images of the landscape as yep. well. Uh, one thing that has seemed to pop up quite a bit when I talk to chefs and producers is that 
it seems like sort of the words getting out about agritourism or people coming to the Southern Highlands as a dining destination yep. and to do, you know, agricultural tours, whether it be truffle hunts yeah. or, yep. you know, foraging days and, and things mm. like that. Is, that. is that is that something you've seen growing over time as well? Yeah, huge. Yeah. In the last, when I came here, there was nothing. Yeah. And in the last couple of years, we, we host most of them. Yeah. And uh, it is big, big business and actually... Um, a lot and I support a lot of them which is great for the region and great for everybody um, but I think the, the only ones that can make a difference is, is us the cooks yeah we're the only ones that we can we can say that the, the region's not strong yet or we can say that it's you know um, no we're not it's not as good as maybe orange or it's not as as powerful as a hunter or but the only ones that can really make a difference is us mm-hmm. and it and it and it will take years and it has to be on a big scale and we've just got to keep pushing pushing the envelope and 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 um telling stories mm-hmm. and i think that it takes people like yourself and other chefs that i've met and producers in the region to have such an enthusiasm and to care so much about a region yeah. for that thing to develop yeah for that to happen yeah and it does like it really does i grew up here this is this i this is where i grew up and you know i could have stayed overseas or I could have gone anywhere but I wanted to come home mm. because I am passionate about this area yeah you know I could have opened Biota anywhere but uh but I did it here because it's my region it's, it's it. where I grew up yeah so yep awesome good way to finish thank you mate thanks so much hey I appreciate you coming in Thank you so much for tuning in to the Quicksand Food Connection. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with James Viles from Biota Dining in Barrel. It's a fantastic restaurant and it does have a real connection to the landscape of the Southern Highlands and I think that's pretty cool. If you want to get in touch with Biota, if you want to make a booking, you can find them online at biotadining.com. They're also on Facebook and Instagram at Biota Dining. And you can also buy a copy of their book, Biota, at all good bookstores, or you can find them online through the website. If you want to find out more about us, you can go to our website, quicksandfood.com, or find us on Facebook and Instagram at quicksandfood. And if you want to listen to more of these conversations that supplement the Southern Highlands cookbook, you can download them all for free on our website, quicksandfood.com. Thanks so much for joining us and we'll see you next time. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.